We demystify what goes on behind the therapy room door. Join us on this voyage of discovery and co-creative conversations. This is the Therapy Show Behind Closed Doors podcast with Bob Cook and Jackie Jones. Welcome back to episode six. We're on now, Bob. Wow, we're, we're getting lots done. And we spoke at the end of the last podcast about the topic of this one, which is bringing the past into the present. Yeah, an explanation of that. So what we've got so far, client has come to therapy. We've talked a little bit about um, what that's like, uh, talked about motivation about that, talked a little bit about assessment and things like that. And we talked last podcast particularly about the idea of building up a working relationship between the two of you, which has the template to then uh, enable trust to grow, safety to grow, security grow. And in that process, we're shaping uh, what the person wants for therapy. We can get onto contracts perhaps on the next podcast. Yeah. um, This is about, uh, from my perspective, uh, talking a bit about how I might work. So you can still call this in the um, the phase of building up this working relationship, but I think it's important to talk about the way you work. So, for example, if you're a CBT therapist, it would be about, well, what we do here, we sort of aim at uh, changing thinking and thought change. If you're a Gestalt therapist, you might say, the way I work is here is concentrating on the here and now and how people find it hard to stay in the here and now. If you're a psychoanalyst, you might say, well, please, you just lie on the couch and just free interpret, you know, just really sort of talk and allow me to uh, interpret the um, processes through free interpretation. But as a transaction analyst sitting in the humanistic tradition or that sort of early psychodynamic tradition, if you want, um, then I will always talk about, yes, I really do want to talk about the present with you. And I'm also interested in how the past affects the present because really the cure really is about exploring the past and how that gets enacted out today in a way which doesn't help you so for example if you if, if you come to therapy and you want to talk about how you always choose an unavailable men or uh, and that doesn't work out for you part you can it's great to talk about the impact of that in the present but you know a much bigger part of that is where does that come from so that we can look at how come that pattern that you follow doesn't help you today and what needs changing in, in, in that process so that you can pick someone who is far more healthy for you. Mm. So I, I really do try and get over that we will be exploring the past. So I, there, there's, a, there's a real reason for that. And, it, 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 it builds on the podcast I was talking about, about building a working relationship, is that we're starting to really inquire, and is that okay for you that we talk about the past? Because, you know, people might come to therapy where they think, oh, well, I'm just going to talk about the present, and if I change these behaviours, then this is going to happen, and XXX. Maybe they haven't even thought about, or too much anyway, that the past affects the present. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about your clients, but 
Um, I know that is, I, I, I think it's really important to um, put that frame on it. Yeah, because I, I think you touched on a really valid point there, Bob, that I don't think we understand how that works. You know, I, I certainly didn't before I started learning about transactional analysis. It's kind of like, well, I, I don't understand how me having a broken relationship now has got anything to do with anything, you know, that happened in my past. But exactly like you said, you know, having relationships with unavailable men, you know, what's that connected to? And and inevitably it is, you know, decisions that we made really early on and connected to our past. That's right. And transaction analysis, and we've said it a few times because both of us are trained in that, has a model of personality, often called the PAC model, uh, which talks, talks about multiple selves. So we come from different parts of ourselves. And one part's called the parent, another part's called the adult in the here and now, and then the child, which is our younger self, right? So often it's the inner child, the younger self, uh, which has uh, made survival decisions or decisions in response to the early histories, um, which is very protective decisions, which they then carry out uh, in, into adulthood and, and later and may not help them. Mm. So that, that model of TA is very useful to be able to have that language to talk about. So you can talk to the client and just tell me a little bit about how the younger part of yourself uh, operates now yeah. in these situations, for example. Yeah. And is there a protective parent part of you which is supporting you or you know, and all this will go back, of course, to the connections in their history. So it is a useful model. And I think that Eric Byrne, um, when he created PA's PAC model, I'm not so sure that he actually thought about it um, being developed to where we are today, but he did um, think about the younger self, the adult being in the here and now, and the parents and what that narrative is that we talk to ourselves every moment of the day. Um, so when I'm talking about connections back, I might teach the PAC simply to give a common language, and sometimes I might not. Yeah. See, as you were speaking, that was one of the things I was going to say that I, again, you know, I am quite protective and passionate about transactional analysis. And one of the things is, is that we share certain understanding with the client it's not that it's all top secret and you can't know my secrets and the things that I know it is about sharing that understanding that there are three parts to all of us it's not just me or you everybody has a parent an adult and a child ego state yeah. when you know about the transactional analysis like you say gestalt or person-centered or all these other methods might not have that as part of the toolbox. Yeah, so yeah, they may. So, person centered, for example, thinks of the self in a much more unitary way, you know, a, 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 a single soul. A psychoanalysis, which and psychodynamic therapy, they will talk about the unconscious and the younger self, actually. So, TA does build on that. I, I, I we talk about transaction analysis. And you, I really like what you say. 
um, uh, the, 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 it's very explicit, uses a, medal, a model for understanding and the client uh, uses the model as well. So everything's open to open communication yeah. rather than hidden communication. And I've always found that personality model a useful model with clients. I'm not saying I always use it nowadays, but I think it, which is a yeah. different story. So it does, I suspect that model does come out, but it, 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 it is what I've said, making that connection between a younger self, our past, and how that gets enacted out today in ways which may not help us. Yeah. So that's really important. And it's, and it's a way that I think, and I share with clients. Yeah, and it, again, it's really useful to do that. I don't know whether it was you in the Institute or I picked it up somewhere, but there's a, there's an old Chinese proverb that kind of says, give me the, the child of seven and I'll give you the man. And it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, you know, we're talking about very young decisions oh. that become a belief system you know, and we we don't even remember making the decisions, so we don't challenge them. But we then kind of think, why does all this crap keep happening to me? Yeah, the the what happens is the you becomes an I. In other words, we actually feel and believe it's it, it and we take ownership of the the I. But actually, uh, it's the process usually started off from a you. In other words. You are this, you are that, you are X, 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 X. So the child changes the you to an I, and then they feel they are that way. And that's the way they present later in life. Oh. Now, what I usually find is very important later on in therapy, not so much perhaps in the first stage of therapy, is when a person makes that for the first time, it's very moving, makes that realization that often the belief systems they thought for about themselves um, for many, many years, they suddenly realize hasn't come from them. Now that's really important because they can differentiate out then. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something about, I'm sure that's happened to me in a therapy session and you know being on the receiving end of it is yeah well it, it, it's moving and it's very very important because if people are always going to believe all the negativity all these issues about self-esteem come somehow as a creation of the self then uh that doesn't help the process at all and self-esteem won't grow and change is much, much harder. But if they can start realizing that actually they are the way they are, often from you know the the, the narratives from other people, which hasn't helped them. But yeah. they've but or stroke and they've accepted it as if it was themselves. So in other words, they've accepted parental slogans as adult reality. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's all interwoven, I, you know, I'm a parent as well as a child of somebody. So it's kind of knowing 
how I received messages as a child from my parents, but then being curious. And I always say it's not about being judgmental. It's just about being curious and also being curious about the messages that my children picked up from me as well. It's kind of like that hot potato that goes yeah. through generations. Yeah. So if, 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 if we go through with this and you and, you know, the, the, the parent for whatever reason or parents for whatever reason in the household of origin um, always say to the child people cannot be trusted yeah people cannot be trusted that sounds familiar <laughs> I have a frame now then 35 years later someone walks into my clinical room and says to me I want to explore how come I'm not able to stay in relationships I've got commitment problems and I really would like to be in a relationship longer than seven weeks, or if you want to go six months, if you really want to. Now, if you've decided, because that, you know, it makes complete sense to me in the context, if that message has been passed down by the parents, no one is trustworthy, what does that say for you if you believe that, if you believe that parental slogan as an adult real? reality yeah and that hasn't changed in uh, teenage years there's been no differentiation and you follow that then it's not surprising that you won't trust people in relationships yeah not surprising um, is it we don't challenge it we don't filter out what our parents say it kind of just goes it's got a direct route in a lot of the time because they're our main caregivers they love us and protect us so we don't challenge a lot of the slogans that are, are bandied around and in a healthy world i won't see those people but i'm talking about when there's some level of dysfunction yeah 100 i've i've got i'll throw one in the mix I, I, this is not a therapy session my my dad one of his slogans was always people like us will never have any money and I sabotage it. I sabotage my success. Still, even now, I have to challenge it quite often because that is rattling around in my head somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And the more people can, and I say this is very moving in therapy, and often it happens later in therapy, by the way, yeah. when they, there's a realisation that they aren't, you know, that there's a separation of thoughts. That has come from somewhere else. Is that a bullseye? Is that what you, you refer to as a bullseye? I think it's a resolving of what in TA terms of, of a contamination. Right, right, yeah. And, um, I haven't used the word contamination, but it's a nice word in some ways because it's like the, the young child has been contaminated by those dysfunctional parental slogans. Now, it, it comes from the scared part of the child. You know, as parents, we all have our own processes. But the problem is, if, if that keeps on and that narrative keeps impinging on into uh, adulthood and it goes to such a place where you find it very hard to trust people in the example I gave, then that person might have problems with commitments and then they come through my door 35 years later. Mm. It, I could talk like this with you forever, Bob, and we will be back. Yeah, stop. We, we will be back for more in the next episode. It's, right. it's kind of, it, yeah, literally. The, the conversation just flows with you, Good. and I love it. Right. So what I thought we could look at in the next uh, therapy sort of you know, podcast would be 
It's a TA word, but I really, really like it. It's again, it's the beginning of the therapy uh, process, working relationship process I talk about, and that's contracts and focuses for treatment. Yeah. And how those are made and what we need to look out for and the pitfalls and the sabotages. Uh, juicy stuff. If we don't look for all that lot, uh, we can set ourselves up uh, to fail, really. And no doubt at some point we will talk about what happens when we do fail, because sometimes we do. <laughs> well, it's often inevitable, of course, the therapist needs us to fail yeah. to, to actually uh, promote their own terms of reference. But that is another story, but an interesting one. Yeah. So thank you so much, Bob, and I shall see you on the next episode. You will do. You will do. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another episode.